0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Dorothy L. Sayers' Lord Peter Wimsey in Whose Body, which is a tale that first introduced Lord Peter to the world and sees him investigating the case of a corpse in a Battersea bathtub and a vanished oil millionaire. This will be a five part series. So sit back and relax. And I hope you enjoy this nostalgic mystery radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Lord Peter Wimsey. Starring Ian Carmichael as Lord Peter, and Peter Jones as Bunter, with Bernard Archer as Sir Julian Freak. <laughs> Whose Body by Dorothy L. Sayers, adapted by Chris Miller in five episodes. Episode five, Bunter brings a letter. Lord Peter Whimsey investigating the appearance of an unidentified corpse in a Battersea bathroom, and the simultaneous disappearance of a financier, Sir Reuben Levy, now knows that a murder has been committed. To help confirm his suspicions as to the identity of the murderer, he's had his friend, Inspector Parker, bring along to his flat an unsuspecting medical student from St Luke's Hospital, Battersea. (laughs) 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 <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you don't like detective stories then, Mr. Piggott? Oh yes, Lord
3: Peter uh-huh. now, I was only saying that the thing I object to in them is the way fellows remember every blooming thing that's happened to them within the last six
2: <laughs> months <laughs> Reel it all off like a page of poetry they <laughs> yeah. do It ain't like that in real life Well, no, but writers have to consider their readers, you see <laughs> The real conversation would be so long and twaddly and tedious nobody would have the patience to read it The <laughs> <laughs> Same with police statements, eh, O'Pogba?
4: <laughs> Certainly, a man yes. doesn't say to the police uh, Last Friday I went out at 10am to buy a mutton shop, and as I was turning into Mortimer Street, I noticed a girl of about twenty-two with black hair and brown eyes, wearing a green jumper, check skirt, Panama hat, and black shoes, <laughs> riding a Royal Sunbeam cycle at about ten miles an hour on the wrong side of the road. Me <no. laughs> yeah, I'd to that, of course. But it's really wormed out of him by a series of questions.
3: Well, yes, but I bet you most people will find it jolly difficult to remember, even if you ask them the right questions. Oh, Why well, should I know? Would
2: well, you mean if I were to ask you, you well, would, in a general sort of way, what you were doing? Say so a week ago today, last Tuesday, that is, you wouldn't be able to tell me a thing about it offhand? Well, I'm sure I shouldn't. Oh, okay. Except that I was in <laughs> at the hospital, as usual, I suppose. <laughs> well, come now, Mr. Piggott. Look, I'm sure you recollect what work you were doing in the, uh, well, in the dissection room that hmm. day, for example. Um, Lord, no. Well, not for certain, Lord. Look, Peter. I would bet you half a crown to sixpence that you'll remember within five minutes.
3: I'm sure I can't.
2: <laughs> uh, let, well, let's see, shall we? All right, then. <laughs> right. Now, um, do you keep a notebook of the work you do when you dissect? You know, drawings or anything? Oh, yes. Right, well, think of that, then. Now, what was the
3: last thing that you did in it? Oh, that's easy. I only did it this morning. It was leg muscles. Good. Well, now turn back the pages of your drawing book in your mind. What came before that? Uh, some animals, uh-huh. still legs. I'm doing motor muscles at present. Yes, that's it. I remember now. It was Old Cunningham's demonstration on comparative anatomy. Uh-huh. I did rather a good thing of a hare's leg. And
2: what day was Mr. Cunningham's lecture? Friday. Friday. I see. Right. Well, now turn back again. What comes before that? Um. Oh, I've no idea, Lord. Now, now look, th- think of the open book in your mind's eye. What's opposite your hair's leg?
3: Um, ah, uh-huh. yes. Um. Something coloured round. Oh, yes, it's a hand. Good. Oh, and before that, there's a drawing of a set of arms. Excellent. Uh, did you make those on the Thursday? No, not in the dissecting room on Thursdays. Ah, oh, I see. It must have been Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That's right. Wednesday afternoon. After we'd seen those tetanus patients. I remember going back because I wanted to finish them. I see. And uh, when
2: did you start them? Um, well, Tuesday, I suppose. And were they a uh, man's arms or a woman's arms? Oh, a man's. So last Tuesday, uh, a week ago today, that is, you were dissecting a man's arms in the dissecting room.
3: Well, yes, I suppose so.
2: Sixpence, please.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. By Jove, Lord no, no, wait
2: a moment, wait a moment. You know, you know, you know a lot more about it than that. You've no idea how much you know, Mr. Bigot. Who know what kind of a man he was, for a start. Well, he was a pauper from the workhouse, I suppose. Well, what was his skin like? Uh, Now, think back, think back. Was it young, fair skin? Oh, no. No ordinary skin, I think. Uh Uh-huh. A lean, stringy arm, perhaps, with no extra
3: fat anywhere? Oh, no. I was rather annoyed about that. I wanted a good muscular arm, but it was poorly developed, and Uh the fat got in my way.
2: A sedentary man who didn't do much manual work, what? That's right. About how old would you put him? Oh, 50, about 50. Good. We'll see what a fine memory our young friend has, Charles. <laughs> yes, indeed I do. Well, let's see what else you remember, Mr. piggott uh, There were other students at work on the same body, I suppose. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. So, who's doing the head? Um, oh, old Freak. Freak? Uh,
3: that's Sir Julian Freak. Isn't he? You I? know, the great neurologist. Yes, 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 He's yes. in charge of us. Yes, that's right. He bagged the head for himself. I remember little Binns was very cross about that. Oh, I see. <laughs> and what was uh, Julian doing with the head? Well, he called us up and gave us a lecture on spinal hemorrhage and um, nervous lesions. Oh, and the chap was a Jew. I noticed that, too.
2: <laughs> you see how easy it is.
3: Oh, and another thing, Lord Peter. What's that? Uh, Tommy Pringle made a joke about it, so I remember. (laughs) Uh, Tommy was doing the Alimentary Canal, and he thought it funny that a workhouse pauper should, well, should have so much food inside him. (laughs) He'd
2: come by his death shortly after a full meal, you see. Very interesting, Mr. (laughs) Pigot. Now you see how much you can remember. (laughs) On Tuesday week you were dissecting the arm muscles of a middle-aged Jew of sedentary habits, who, shortly after eating a heavy meal, had died of some injury producing spinal hemorrhage and nervous lesions. And who was presumed to come from the workhouse. Yes? Yes. Thank you, Mr. Figgett. I
4: think that proves my point, what? I don't think our young friend suspected anything, do you, Whimsy? For him, Charles, it's just been a delightful evening drinking the best wine that he's ever tasted. Whereas to you, it's almost conclusive proof you're right. Exactly. Mm. But are you sure you're not making a mistake, Peter? I'm still as full of objections to this idea as an egg is of meat. Uh, So am I, old man.
2: That's why I want to dig up the man who was buried in a pauper's grave at the end of last week. Have you got the exclamation order?
4: Yes, for tomorrow
2: afternoon. Good. Well, if Lady Levy identifies him positively... Uh, oh, it's beastly, Charles. I know, but I'm sorry, su- it has got to be done. But does it? Now, look here. According to the Chelsea workhouse, a dead man, not unlike Levy in general outline, was delivered to Freak on Monday for purposes of dissection. Mm. That night, Levy himself disappeared after visiting Freak in Battersea. The next morning, the Chelsea corpse, somewhat disguised, was found in Mr. Thipps' bath, not a hundred yards from the hospital. Yes, but
4: why, Peter?
2: The motive? An old jealousy. Twenty years ago, Freak was almost engaged to a Miss Christine Ford, and Levy, who was nobody then, romped in and carried her off under his nose. But twenty years, oh, I Peter. I know, I know, I know, but Freak's vanity was hurt, duty. He felt humiliated. It wasn't the girl he bothered about, it was having his aristocratic nose put out of joint by a little Jewish nobody. that is the thing that rankled charles
4: yes well that sounds all right peter
2: but now look at the evidence if you don't believe me charles the man who went to Levy's house and slept in his bed knew the house well had red hair and was slightly smaller than levy freak is a friend of the family about five foot eleven and has an auburn mane Mm. now take the other side the man who put the chelsea vagrant in mr thipps's bath had to carry it across the slippery roof on a wet night freak is a member of the alpine club the man wore surgical gloves and let the body down from the roof with a surgical bandage. The freak is a surgeon. The man undoubtedly lived in the neighbourhood. A freak lives next door. Every time we look at Freak, he leads somewhere. Whereas Milligan and Thipsen, and Crimplesham and all the other people we've honoured with our suspicions simply lead nowhere.
4: Yes, but it's still not as simple as you make out, Peter. I mean, what was Levy doing in that surreptitious way at Freak's on Monday night?
2: Well, you have Freak's explanation. He was concerned about his health.
4: Oh, Rod, that won't do. No, it won't. So, why did Freak lie? Yeah.
2: Well, I will tell you, Charles. Because Levy, contrary to all expectations, had been seen at the corner of the road. Now, that was a nasty accident for Freak. He'd reckoned, you see, on nobody's ever connecting Levy with Battersea. But then we come back to the first question. Why did Levy go there? Well, I don't know. I wish I did but freak expected him all right and he made arrangements to let him in himself so that his man cummins shouldn't see who the caller was but didn't the caller leave at ten? Oh, charles cummins heard someone say good night that's all clearly freak walked out of the front door came in a few moments later at the side door went up to the library and rang for cummins to prove that he was there simple do you see and levy was there too dead certainly probably in an adjacent room Then, Freak switched the bodies round, dressed up in Levy's clothes, and went to Park Lane to establish that Levy had returned home. home. An hour or two later, he left Park Lane, came back to Battersea, and went about the business of depositing the vagrants in Thipps' bath, complete with Crimplesham's pince-nez. Yes,
4: but why? Ah, why indeed. Pure accident, perhaps, or pure devilry? All right, Peter. Uh, Why did he concoct such an elaborate scheme at all? Why go to the trouble of switching the two bodies, all the rest of it? Because, like all murderous
2: Charles, Freak had to face the problem of disposing of the body. But he realised that there was no harm in leaving around a corpse as such, provided there was no discernible connection between himself and that particular man. And nearly worked, too. By disguising the vagrant and lying about the length of the man's illness at the inquest... Freak made sure that not even the workhouse doctor who'd sent him along to St. Luke's would realise it was the same fellow. Oh, What went wrong, then? A chain of unforeseen accidents, really. Chiefly, Levy's being recognised, and the fact that you and I, who were working on the two ends of the case, were good friends. Must have been a nasty shock for Freak at the inquest. He knew of my connection with the Battersea end of the mystery, and then you were introduced to him as the detective in charge of the Levy investigation.
4: By your mother!
2: Precisely, Obeam. Freak's aim in life, you see, was to prevent the two ends of the problem from linking up. Yes. And there, at the inquest, were you and my mother. Two of the links, literally, side by side.
5: Yes, my lord? Ah, Bunter. Beastly foggy morning, ain't it? A regular pea-super, my lord. Hmm i was just
2: wondering whether to go out i would not advise it my lord really i wouldn't i've got to go out this afternoon for the exhumation may as well get accustomed to it now you better come along to that too incidentally bunter make sure i keep wrapped up warm very good my lord but if your lordship
5: will forgive my mentioning it you're only just now getting over your attack of the other night
2: yes well that was something quite different bunter mere nerves and fog don't make any difference to one's nerves besides i happen to be going to see a harley street nerve specialist In fact, Bunter, I am going to pay a call on the greatest urologist in London.
6: Yes, I see. Uh, Breathe in once more. Perfect. Excellent, Lord Peter. You may put your coat back on now, and and please sit down. Thank Thank you, Sir Julian. Now, you had these attacks frequently in 1918, you say? Yes, I was very ill for
2: some months. And when did you last have an attack like this? About nine months ago. I was being worried by certain family matters. It was a question of deciding about some investments, and I was largely responsible. Yes. And this latest attack... Well, I was... I was worried. I suddenly found myself faced with a very alarming contingency. Unexpectedly? Very
6: unexpected indeed. Yes. Now, this unexpected
2: contingency was... Personal to yourself? It demanded an immediate decision as to my own actions, yes. In that sense, it was certainly personal. Quite so. Mm.
6: You were about to assume some responsibility, no doubt. A very grave
2: responsibility. Affecting others besides yourself? Affecting one other person vitally and a very great number indirectly. I see.
6: And does this responsibility still rest upon you? Yes, it does you feel bound to carry through the course of action on which you've decided. Oh, yes. Yes, I can't back out now. Of course not. So, you're expecting further strain? A certain amount, yes, Sir Julian. I see. Well, you must exercise great care, Lord Peter. Your nerves are not all they should be. No? No. I'll give you something to strengthen them. It'll do you no permanent good, you understand, but it will tide you over a bad time. Uh, And I'll also give you a prescription. Yeah, thank you. Excuse me one moment. Um, Whose advice have you had till now, Lord Peter? Sir
2: James Hodges.
6: Oh, yes, yes. He was a sad loss to the medical profession. A really great man. True scientist. Uh, Now, here is the prescription. And if you'll just uh, remove your coat again and roll up your sleeve, I'll deal with the necessity of the immediate moment. Yeah, right here. I say, Sir Julian, what's that you're going to stick into me? Bugs? (laughs) Not exactly. Uh, You've had
2: injections before, Lord Peter, I'm sure. A few? Well, this won't hurt. Yes, I've had them before, Sir Julian, and do know I don't care frightfully about them. No, Sir Julian as you like of course lord peter <laughs> i'm afraid i'm rather a silly ass but i never could abide those little gadgets i had one once that went wrong gave me a rotten bad time they make me a bit nervous
6: remember? in that case it would certainly be better not to proceed with this part of the treatment uh, very well just take the prescription then and do what you can to lessen the immediate strain as far as possible oh yes i'll uh, i'll take it easy thanks <laughs> i'm much obliged to you sir julian Much obliged. Goodbye, then, Lord Peter. And my regards to your mother. Certainly, Sir Julian. Goodbye.
7: Hmm. Yes. A scar on the arm, an appendicitis scar and a mole just under the left breast. That should be sufficient. Uh, could we have the towel over the head now, if he mustn't see what's left of his face? Thank you. Inspector Parker? Uh,
4: yes, Dr. Grimble.
7: Could you ask Lord Peter to bring Lady Levy in now, please? Mm. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Colgrove?
4: I'm
7: here. Ah, good. Uh, Dr. Colgrove, you attended this man in the workhouse. Do you recollect a scar like this? No, Dr.
3: Grimbold. I think Sir Julian Freak would bear me yes, out. Yes,
7: well, there are reasons why Sir Julian can't be present. That's why I'm asking you. Well, I'm quite certain
3: I've never seen that
7: scar before. Thank you. Ah, Lady Levy, please come in. I don't want to distress you unnecessarily, but I'm going to ask you to look at a scar and see if you recognize it. Now, please take your time. You won't see anything more than you absolutely must.
0: Oh, Lord Peter.
7: It's all right, Lady Levy. Just take my arm thank you and now lady Levy this appendicitis scar
0: oh yes yes I could never be mistaken about that Oh,
7: oh but... uh, just a moment more please lady Levy do you also recognize this mole
0: oh I think so yes I'm sure in fact oh yes that's where it was yes
7: and this other scar, the three-cornered one, just above the elbow?
0: Yes. Oh, yes.
7: <sighs> Ruben. Uh, Lady Levy, I'm sorry, but I must ask you definitely. Do you, from these three marks, identify the body as that of your husband?
0: Well, I must, mustn't I? Nobody else could have them just the same in just these places. It is my husband. It is Reuben
7: thank you lady levy you've been very brave and very helpful thank you lord peter come along then lady levy my mother's next door and she'll take you home well inspector parker doctor i trust i can leave this painful business in your hands no
4: thank you robertson sir tell inspector sug to get going yes Uh,
7: shocking case inspector quite shocking i was of course most uneasy at the inquest as you know but to think that so distinguished a man,
4: well, I can hardly believe it. That's quite so, Dr. Grimble. Ah, Peter. Yes, I've sent my men off. Yes, I noticed them going, and I sent Bunter with them. Hope you don't mind.
2: Thought I'd like to be represented at the
4: kill. Not a bit. That's why I sent Sugg. Poor devil, they've had him up on the mat at headquarters for bungling the case. <laughs> All that evidence of thipses about the nightclub was corroborated, uh-huh. you know. I was almost sorry for Sugg, so I sent him along to make the arrest. Well, let's hope he gets there in time, then, Charles. So, do you think he might not?
2: I rather fear he might not. Now oh, that'll be Bunter, now, Charles. Bunter, Bunter, my lord. Well,
5: we got him, my lord. Good grief! Alive. Inspector Sugg was just in time, yes, my lord. He rang the bell and marched straight past Cummings up to the library. Sir Julian was doing some writing, and when the police burst in, he made a grab, if I may put it that way, for his hypodermic, my lord. But they were too quick for him. Good for Sugg. Yes, sir. Sir Julian was then searched thoroughly and has now been taken to prison. Well, I'm down, Incidentally, my lord, Sir Julian asked me to convey to your lordship his congratulations. Oh. He acknowledged defeat, my lord, and spoke highly of your lordship's perspicacity and intelligence.
2: Oh, how charming of him.
5: Indeed, my lord. Sir Julian also wished me to tell your lordship that he appreciated your motive in calling on him this morning, conveying a warning, as it were.
2: Oh, well, he tried to kill me for
5: my pains. Yes, my lord. Sir Julian remarked oh. to me that he was pleased you had not underestimated his nerve in that matter. The injection he was on the point of administering to your lordship would have proved fatal and according to sir julian was undetectable my lord
1: hmm.
5: he certainly
2: is a point of crime ain't he right from the start charles you remember when we found the body in thipsy's bath with cripplecham's pants now on its nose we knew we were up against a blighter with a sense of humor
4: a rather a macabre sense of humor Peter. Oh, true and i wonder if we'll ever know all the details why he did it in that particular way yes my lord Hmm? Sir
5: Julian was writing a full confession when he was apprehended, my lord. It's addressed to your lordship, and Inspector Sugg allowed me to bring it with me, though it will have to go to the police eventually, of course. Is that it? Yeah, thank you, punter. Inspector Sugg did ask Sir Julian one or two questions, my lord, particularly as regards
2: the body in Mr. Thipps's bath. Well, Sugg did get rather the wrong end of the stick there. <laughs> Tell us then, Bunter, O oh messenger of the gods, why Thipps? It appears that Sir
5: Julian intended to leave the body on the roof of Queen Caroline Mansions, my lord, but when he noticed Mr. Thipps' bathroom window open, it occurred to him how delightful it would be, the words are Sir Julian's, not mine, my, my lord, to deposit the corpse there. Sir Julian said that Mr. Thipps had once called on him with an anti-vivisection pamphlet and had chatted for a long time on the subject. Poor little Thipps. What am I... Crumpleshance pince Bunter. Sir Julian explained that too, sir. It seems he was caught in the rush at Victoria that Monday afternoon and, on emerging, found the glasses involved in the astrakhan collar of his overcoat. The motive for leaving them on the body was, I believe, simply to mislead the police, but no doubt it is all explained in the letter.
2: Yes, it is, I think, Bunter. That's a deuce long letter, anyway. Dear Lord Peter, I prefer to acknowledge defeat, etc., etc., etc. Oh, dear. A lot of... Theoretical stuff about the criminal's conscience. Ah, yes, here we are. My original sensual impulse to kill Sir Reuben Levy had, over the years, become profoundly modified by my habits of thought. To the animal lust to slay and the primitive human desire of revenge, there had been added the rational intention of substantiating my own theories for the satisfaction of myself and the world. Mm,
4: cool, ain't it? Yes.
2: Why did he wait so long, then? Uh, wait a moment, Uh, early career. Not enough money to have absolute command of circumstance. Contented myself during that period with keeping up a friendly connection with Ruby Levy and his family. Uh, Ah, yes, yes, here we are now. It was not till I obtained the practical direction of St Luke's Hospital that I found myself perfectly unfettered in the choice
4: and handling of dead bodies. Of course! Hmm... There's one thing I would like to know, Peter. How did he get Levy to come round to Battersea that night? Yes,
2: how did he do it? Chelsea Workhouse, unknown vagrant, strong superficial resemblance to Sir Reuben. Uh, hello, what's this? I decided that the fellow would suit my purpose very well, and accordingly I immediately put in train certain transactions in the city which I had already sketched out in my mind. Maybe it's those
4: Peruvian oil shares, Peter. By Joe, Charles, you know I believe you're right.
2: Yeah, listen to this. On the Thursday and Friday of that week, I made private arrangements with various brokers to buy the stock of certain Peruvian oil fields which had gone down almost to waste paper.
6: At, At this, this point, point, I was, of course,
2: careful not to let my
6: name appear. And on Monday morning, the market in Peruvians opened briskly. Rumours had evidently got about that somebody knew something, and I was not the only buyer in the market that day. At lunchtime, I made my arrangements to run into Levy accidentally at the corner of the mansion house. He expressed his surprise at seeing me in that part of London, and I simulated some embarrassment and suggested we should lunch together. I dragged him to a place a bit off the usual beat, and there ordered a good wine, and drank of it as much as he might suppose sufficient to induce a confidential mood.
7: (laughs) How are things going on change, Reuben? All right. You're thinking of joining us, Julian. What are you doing down here, having a little flatter? As a matter of fact, yes, I am. I've
6: been um, put on to rather a good thing. I don't want it to get about, but...
7: um, Have you heard about Peruvian oil? I've heard rumours. I've no idea what's going on. What's it all about? I thought the thing was hollow. hasn't paid a dividend for 17 years. No, it hasn't. But it's going to. I've got inside information. Look here.
6: I'm not giving this away to everyone. But I don't mind doing you and Christine a good turn.
7: Well, it's very kind of you, old man. But uh, I'm a cautious bird, you know. Always was. I'd like a bit of proof. Hmm, I'll give it to you, but it isn't safe here. Come round to my
6: place tonight after dinner. I'll show you the report. How did you get hold of it? I'll tell you tonight. Come round after dinner, any time after nine, say. Hmm. Harley Street? No, no, Battersea, Prince of Wales Road. I've got some work to do at the hospital.
7: And look here, Reuben. Don't let on to a soul that you're coming. All right. I won't say a word to anybody. I'll turn up about nine o'clock. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Trust me, old man. It
6: can't go wrong. It simply can't go wrong. I knew that would fetch him. (laughs) And incidentally, I killed him that evening while he was poring over a bogus company report I'd concocted for him. And I was still prattling on about doing him a good turn as a symbol of our old friendship. If only he'd known only he'd
4: know so that's how he did it Uh, yes do you know charles i don't
2: care frightfully about reading any more of this letter you better take it Hmm. all that
4: coolness
2: all those brains and yet
4: Uh, i know what you mean old man
2: charles i think i shall give a dinner party Hmm? one night next week Bunce. A dinner party to Mr. John P. Milligan, and his secretary, and to Messrs. Crimplesham and (laughs) Wicks. All are suspects, in fact. I feel they deserve it for not having murdered poor old Levy. Well, don't forget the Thipses, Peter. On no account would I deprive myself of the pleasure of Mrs. Thipses' company, Charles. (laughs) Bunter? My lord. Let's have a bottle of bubbly, shall we? Mm.
1: In that, the last episode of Whose Body, the parts were played as follows. Lord Peter Whimsey, Ian Carmichael, Bunter, Peter Jones, Sir Julian Freak, Bernard Archard, Inspector Parker, Gabriel Wolfe, Piggott and Dr. Colgrove, Geoffrey Beavers, Dr. Grimbold and Sir Reuben Levy, Wilfrid Carter, and Lady Levy, Betty Cardner. Bunter Brings a Letter was adapted by Chris Miller from the book Whose Body by Dorothy L. Sayers. The programme was produced by Simon Brett.